Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hey man, what's going on? What's the good word? What do you mean, Flash Gordon approaching? I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> don't recall saying that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, was that, we're having uh, a little rain. Was that Ming the Merciless? Is that who that would have been? Ming the Merciless. Played yeah, by the, um, that great uh, Swedish actor. What's his name? He's been in everything. Three Days of the Condor. Um, was it Max von Sydow? Yeah, Max von Sydow. He's been in like Sydow. 175 films or something in his career. What a wonderful actor. You know, he's just terrifying when he needs to be and cool when he doesn't need to be and suave. I mean, he can he really can do it all. Why he's not like a huge leading man or, you know, why he never made it to like a, a Paul Newman status is beyond me. Maybe because he had a bit of an accent and he was not American. And, you know, I don't know. I was just thinking more of 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 Brian Blessed with uh, giant wings, right? And with his, and his huge mouth bellowing, with yeah, his, that, like a, a sword. That race of people with the uh, the wings, which I guess we can talk about that stuff a little later, since that's kind of one of our themes. But uh, what else is going on, man? I uh, I know you you were very excited about the launch of the iPhone five. Well, yeah. Here's the what I wrote down because uh, we are actually taping this on Thursday the thirteenth, I think, and uh, as always, yep. one day before the release. And uh, today is the release day for the iPhone five, and I believe I wrote in my notes, "iPhone five get a fucking life." And oh, by the way, these notes were written with a Paloino Blackwing 602 pencil, finest pencil in the world, the choice of champions. So one of our listeners sent uh, sent you a, a, a pack of them? Yeah, somebody uh, got tired of listening to me trying to, uh, to uh, what's the word I would wheedle. use? Weedle. Weedle? I don't, I don't know that word, but weedle <laughs> a box out of Pencils.com. And for all of your back-to-school and kids' pencils needs, go to Pencils.com. <laughs> And, uh, Our future sponsor. I'll send Our you future one future paying sponsor. Hopefully, right? yeah. That was always yeah. John and my goal, right? Uh, we used to euphemize. Euphemize? Euphemism? What's, what's the form of that word? We used to euphemize uh, the success of our show by saying, uh, and by euphemize, I don't mean kill. Um, <laughs> but we used to- Euthanistically? Euphemize. Euphemism. <laughs> I used, we used to euphemize having success, like finding some sort of sponsor is getting an orbiting space laser. That was always our joke. You know, if we ever could make money off the show, even- you know, because it cost us money because hosting cost money. Now sure. we're getting hosting for sure. free through archive. But, you know, there there were expenses to the show. And, um, you know, so if we could even come out a dollar ahead every week or month, you know, that would sure. have been a, a, a path to success. And we, that was referred to as uh, getting the orbiting space laser, kind of like a Bond villain. You know, they always had the orbiting space laser. Are you going to have an underground lair in the volcano? In a volcano. that would be cool. Yeah, Although, like that. I don't know about the acoustics for recording. You need a lot of foam. You know, I was in uh, an underground uh, cathedral, the Cathedral de Sal. You know how they cut these things out of salt mines? There was one in Colombia, South America, mm. when I went. And I was thinking that 
you know, these spaces were so reverberant but really cool. So not appropriate for most things, but every once in a while when you need that super reverberant uh, sound, sure. it would be so cool for to go choir. down there. Yeah, so cool yeah. to go down there yeah. and get an IR for that so you can duplicate that with an IR verb. But um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, iPhone 5, who cares? I'll... Hey, I have an iPhone 5. It's oh, cool. just that mine is like six years old and it says Motorola and also the little screen glass cracked so I like pulled the glass off but it still works even though you can see the wires and tape and stuff. Yeah, I got an iPhone 5 except mine's uh, it's a flip iPhone and it's made by Samsung. Excellent. And it cost $70, I think, in, in its day. <laughs> Jimmy know. Fallon was doing a little a little thing. Uh, and I saw a video clip on YouTube where he took an iPhone 4S out on the street and uh, interviewed people and handed it to them and said, see, uh, check this out. What do you think of the new iPhone 5? And uh, all the people he interviewed said, oh, wow, it's a lot lighter. Oh, feels a well, lot faster, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got a couple of the Mac zombie friends, the Mac cult, the cult of Mac, and they were like, you know, and oh, by the way, one of these guys runs a Hackintosh now, you know, even the hardware got yeah. too expensive for him, even though it's superior yeah, hardware. Right. And I always used to tell him, what, the the Intel chip in your uh a machine was blessed by the Pope. Well, superior <laughs> hardware. By that, do you mean white cases? You know, maybe the case quality is a little better than some of the yeah. the cheaper uh, PC cases you get. You know, from Tiger Direct or something. But look, it's sure. it's all in. Te- it's all the same now. Yeah. it's just that Apple I build charges my, you that my much own more. PCs, and and you know, I build them out of. Uh, expensive, you know, like Intel motherboards and crucial RAM and Seagate drives and stuff like that. And when you do that, like the cheap PC myth kind of drops away to some extent. But um, yeah, but I don't know. Yes, but, but it, is it is basically cheap. is basically the same. Uh, an Intel motherboard from that I order and put in a a PC box that I build is is pretty much as reliable as a motherboard that comes from Apple in a shiny Actually, aluminum case. I've seen some Consumer Reports type studies that show that the Apple MacBooks are less reliable than some of the Asus uh, laptops. So, but anyway, it could be the, the other thing. I did about- have I did have one one point about the 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 i i. Uh, tune what no iphone iPhone 5 yeah which is that um it's interesting to me that like in earlier days especially with the macs that apple with each sort of succeeding generation would try and make them very visually different like the g4 mac was you know the g3 case was like this blue and white case the g4 case was a um, you know, is a new color scheme and whatnot. And then, you know, so the generations of processors, like the G5 case said G5 on it, and it was a different case yet. But these phones that are like um, new generation of hardware internally, new processors and all this, I don't know if the 5 is versus the 4, but they actually try and make them look nearly identical. You only really know, you, you only could really tell like on the street in this little Jimmy Fallon sketch sort of proves that if you actually took two of them and laid them next to each other, you might notice, oh, this one has a different docking port because that's, I think, the major right, change. Right, one has got a new one, yeah. Yeah, this one is a couple, it's like a quarter, half inch longer, something like that. But it's not obvious. And I, it, it, I wonder why they do that because you would think they would want there to be a big visual difference so that like when you pull out an old iPhone – 
it would stand out like a sore thumb and you'd feel shamed and ridiculed and you'd have to go update. Well, it doesn't but, matter. Um, when Apple announces to their minions that they're releasing it, they go and update anyway. Even though the phone, the the 4S that they bought two months ago is two months old. Ooh, I got to get the new one because it's, you know, because when I Twitter and post stupid pictures on that dumb picture thing, nobody will know. But yet I need a new maybe. one. Yeah. Maybe. Not, I'm not really sure. I think maybe they're very similar because people don't want to feel quite so driven to upgrade and the fact that you can what? sort of pass what country do you live in what what consumerist country are you living I think in? like the fact that your 4s looks almost like a five um maybe they people like it that way and that helps generate goodwill so you don't feel quite the the urge their imminent urge to upgrade i know the true apple fans will will lay down their money as quickly as they can they'll be back ordered they'll be waiting they'll be tracking the delivery over alaska you know from uh, the I don't, factories I, in I'm china i'm not sure i buy that argument i think I, th- I think there's only so many directions you can go with looking on a device that small. And I think part of the branding mm-hmm. with the iPhone is its look. So, uh, which, which I think, uh, considering that Apple is pursuing all of these patents with Samsung about look and feel, right. they kind of right. have to make it look the same now. This way, if some other device, you know, dares to look like an iPhone, they can, mm. they can probably uh, say, look at how many generations of iPhone we have that look like this. So, that, you know, we had prior. That might have something to do with it. That, that especially now with the patents, it's more defined. Like their the style of this device is more more set in stone now. Well, plus the whole we live in the world's most horrifyingly ugly consumer culture. So I'm not sure I buy the fact that <laughs> just because their four looks a little bit like the five, that they're not going to immediately run out and buy one. You know, because well, their ego not everyone won't be hurt. Who, you know, I'd say the bulk like. Probably I don't know sixty percent or so of their customers are not the rabid Apple fans that own every Apple device at home too. They just want the coolest phone. Well, that, that would be an interesting study. But uh, so what else do I got? I am thinking about doing a Kickstarter uh, campaign. I guess would be the the word to use. A project. Uh, I've. I'm involved kind of with a, a friend. Uh, Kate did some of that British voice for us on our uh, third Olympic update there a few weeks ago. Her husband, Todd, uh, was in a band called Hydravian in the 90s. Cool prog band. They recorded some stuff analog. They basically finished a, a, a record, you know, 35 to 40 minutes worth of music. And the the tape was kind of in his basement for years. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to release this as a CD? There's some cool proggy, fusion-y rock and roll on here. And uh, I was thinking that there's a there's a place called Mr. Toes in San Francisco that'll transfer that to digital wave files. Yeah, very cool. We were talking a little bit about all the all the old formats he'll, yeah, uh, he'll for, support. Yeah, uh, what is a very reasonable uh, cost. He supports every format, basically. I mean, just go to mrtoads.com and just look at the tape formats he supports. It's, it's shot. And they keep them all well-maintained, too. That's part of their mission. What's the point if the tape deck doesn't play well? If you, you know, what's the Lots point in transferring machines. the files, yeah. right? If if the tape deck plays them like shit, I mean, if you know, there's probably major labels going to him all the time for this. Um, so he'll take he'll take your tapes of any type, and you said he send you a flash drive with wave files on it. Yeah. in this case, yeah, that's exactly what he does. And I told them that I would remix this, but then I got the idea if they uh, if they paid that transfer fee out of pocket, I thought it would be fun to mix it. 
and it's cool tunes. But then I thought, why don't I want to get paid here? Let's try to kickstart this and get something going. Figure out how you can actually earn earn at least a small living doing what it is you love to do. Yeah, well, I'm trying to do that now. And and because they're friends, they were entitled to the big friends and family discount. But, I mean, if we can get Kickstarter to pony up like anything over a 1000 bucks, I can get paid a little. We can cover the cost of the transfer. Uh, so it, it might be fun. So I guess uh, I'm reaching out to our listeners for two reasons. If you guys got any experience with Kickstarter, shoot me an email and let me know the best way to attack this, to go about this. What worked this. and what didn't. Yeah, yeah to get some exposure and, and to siphon money out of these people's pockets. And um, <laughs> and also- In the nicest possible way. Yeah, in the nicest possible way. And also uh, to try to get you on board in the hopes that maybe you'll support the campaign when I eventually do it. You're talking about giving- uh, people an option maybe to buy a physical CD. Well, I and, mean, I've come up maybe... with three reward tiers, and I, this is basically why I need advice. The reward tiers that I came up with were: you give us fifteen bucks, you get a CD. You do ten bucks, you can download some FLAC files. You do five bucks, you can download some MP3s. That was the reward system I came up with, and what I was hoping for were people who have done this to to kind of reach out and say, "No, that's bad. Do it this way," or "Here's what works better." Yeah, and I don't really know, you know, if those are good uh, tiers or, or plateaus. So I'm, I'm looking for some advice from some people who may have done this. I already did get some advice on one of the music forums that I'm on where someone said, have a dollar plateau because there's plenty of people who just want to put a dollar in. They want to support a bunch of the campaigns on Kickstarter, but they don't have a lot of money, but they do want to feel like they've contributed. So they put in a dollar and maybe the, the reward for that is often a thank you email or a handwritten thank you note. Okay. A $1 contribution level, wow. Yeah, I learned something else about Kickstarter, and that was that even if, let's say, I want to give a 1000 bucks, I can choose which reward I want, even based, even if I've put in the highest amount, I can still say I only want the reward for the $1 gift. This way, oh, I, don't I, have, I don't have to give my cool. name and address to have you send me something. I can remain somewhat anonymous. So I did get a slight schooling on Kickstarter on one of the forums. I talked about this already. But, yah I mean, if we could raise $1,500, we would be golden. That'd be cool. I've and, never and I don't think that number it. is unreasonable. No, absolutely not. Not for an album. I have people When I see people uh, trying to promote albums, well, sometimes they're talking about recording the whole right. thing, too. But right. they're usually more along the lines of, of 10000 No, or 5, exactly. 000. Yeah, this would just be so. tape transfer costs, paying me uh, enough to eat. Mix and master. Uh, mix and master, and then uh, pressing some CDs and having a little bit left over for postage to mail these things, and and hopefully pressing a few extra, you know, enough CDs so that we can supply everybody who has a CD coming and maybe have a hundred left over that he can sell off his website or right, whatever, right. and and put some money in his pocket. But I'll, I'll keep Sounds everybody uh, apprised of that a little more, a little more in the future. But uh, you want to jump into a tune? Sure, let's jump into a tune. All right, let's check it out. says gridlock is evil and I say so is July now I've a vague notion it's only half a joke and it's half telling truth and half no compromise and I know the math doesn't add up and that's what makes this a beautiful drive now 
was uh ohio by an artist a local artist to me named jason schnitt smile when you say that yes exactly <laughs> it was a, a slightly unfortunate name but a, a nice song i thought so yeah jay nice mellow song jay plays at a local cafe that i i go to and used to go to quite a bit called cafe dominico and he's actually one of my favorite artists he's very inspired by dylan very breathy you know uh, yeah, he does a lot of Dylan covers in his set and uh, just good stuff. Yeah, uh, I like his vocal style. Yeah, I mean, I asked for his CD years ago, and I actually unearthed 15 or 20 CDs in the past couple of weeks when I was looking for something else for our podcast, the sound effects CD that I bought that I can't find. But uh, I uncovered Jay's CD, which is great, and like an idiot, I don't have it right in front of me to tell you the name, but it's actually sort of a, a two-album project on one disc thing. The first 11 songs are a project called From a Third Story Window, and the Mm. latter 11 through 16 songs are called 2 a.m. Radio. So he basically- These like a linked, the concept album kind of thing? Well, it's two records on one CD. I guess they were two projects that he was working on, but he put all 16 songs on one CD. Like the the, the second thing he calls an EP, the last uh, 11 through 16 it's not like the the magnetic field 69 love songs a 3 cd set with 69 songs on it right yeah but he's great i like jay he's got something new out that came out a few years after this i'll next time i see him at the cafe i'll have to see if he can't hook me up with another disc to play some of his stuff but uh yeah i'd like to hear more i'd like to hear more of his stuff yeah, very cool yeah good stuff uh so you i kind of actually i kind of didn't want to talk about politics and uh, cuz we're going to be talking about a lot of politics in the yeah, we in should say we're, we're aware we're aware of the embassy 
uh, killings and our hearts are, you know, go out to the families of the people killed and it's a tragic thing. But we didn't really want to we didn't want to try and unpack that all now, especially since it seems like a lot of the details are still unfolding. Yeah. Other than Mitt Romney being an ass and trying to score political points on our ambassador's death, there's not much to say at this time, but it's tragic and horrible and horrifying. And uh, yeah, it didn't go unnoticed, but we're going to have so many opportunities to talk about politics between now and November 8th or whatever that day is that uh, I kind of wanted to do with something more lighthearted. And Paul came up with this. I wanted to talk a little bit about B-grade science fiction movies. And in particular, I'll save this maybe for later into it, but I have one movie I'm trying to find, and I want to ask for the listener's help in finding it. So when you say B-grade science fiction movies, throw throw something out there. Throw, uh, throw a name out there. Uh how about anything by uh, the producer Roger Corman? Well, For example, Battle right. Beyond the Stars. Did you ever see Battle Beyond the Stars starring John Boy Walton? Uh, I did see Battle Beyond the Stars years ago. It was an 80s film, I think. Yep, yep. So I should just put these in context. When I was maybe uh, junior high, what, 13 or so, 12 to 15 maybe, my stepbrother had uh, an early Panasonic VCR, which was, I don't know, it was the size of an oven or something. It was this enormous thing. And back then, VCRs were new, and they cost serious money. Um, but he saved up and bought this VCR, and he would bring it over to our house. He had cable, which back then meant HBO and um, Cinemax, I think was brand new. And so he recorded a lot of movies and filled up hundreds of tapes. And he would bring the VCR over and bring boxes of tapes and he'd leave them for us. And so we'd watch these, especially late at night when I got, you know, when uh, my, uh, parents were in bed we'd watch these these cheesy movies he loved cheesy uh, science fiction movies mm. galaxy of terror i think was another one that uh, had a major influence on me at that age in which i probably shouldn't have been watching given some of the subject matter but, was that um, the one that had richie cunningham's sister in it it had shortcake in it uh erin um, moran i think her name was maybe all i remember is it had this uh scene where a woman was like uh, sexually assaulted by some kind of giant worm thing and then I think it killed and ate her. It's a pretty horrifying scene. Was there some sort of structure that the aliens lived in that was kind of reminiscent of Space Mountain? They had some sort of building or mountain or structure yeah, that was like yeah. that? Yeah, I think if I think you so. Google that, you will find that Aaron Moran was in that and I think could uh, be. an alien wrapped her the t- his or her tentacles around Shortcake's head and snapped her skull like a peanut oh, or something. Oh, that might be. That yeah. sounds vaguely familiar. I did There's see also that, a but... scene where uh, someone gets some kind of a creature crawling up under the skin of their arm, crawling up their arm, and you can see it moving under there, and they had to cut their own arm off or something. So it's full of these horrible, gross-out moments, which I I love. Jesus. Now, do you like the cheesy <laughs> films? I mean, will you sit back with some scotch and a pizza and just have a cheesy film fest? I mean, is that like what – are you really into that? Because, I mean, I'll watch them and once, but I have no need yeah. to go back and do the fest and watch them again and again, you know? I You know, I have I can't no longer – I can't watch things like that anymore. The kids are – Well, I understand, uh, but the kids but notwithstanding. Sort of a modern – well, here, I'll give you a modern version. Yes, I, I would definitely love it, and I loved – loved 
Mystery Science Theater 3000 back in the day, and I yeah. used to tape every episode of yeah, but Mystery you're not Science cool, Theater 3000. Because you didn't call it MST3K. <laughs> How can you be a fan and not call it MST3K? Our listeners. You know what? I have MST3K bumper stickers and stuff that I ordered from the fan club still Ooh. in a box. Okay, that, that, you are officially cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't have that. I used to watch it, but I don't have that. Well, before you throw out uh, something else, let me throw out something. I will see your galaxy of terror and raise you humanoids from the deep. Humanoids from the deep. I'm not sure I'm familiar with that. It was um, a bit of a horror. It took place on Earth. It it was about creatures from the deep coming up and, uh, you know, just terrorizing people. And you remember Erin? She was in the Buck Rogers in the 25th century TV show, that actress. Erin Gray. Erin Gray, yeah. One of these. Wilma Deering. Yes, Wilma Deering. One of these monsters attacked and raped her. So in in the spirit of your, I hadn't even written down humanoids from the deep on my list until you mentioned Galaxy of Terror (laughs) and that. That totally uh, reminded me of of humanoids from the deep, and again, just horrible schlocky bees. These are not stuff. these are not really healthy, like emotionally healthy films. I should say a lot of Probably them, but some not. of them, a lot, some of them are just fun. Like I would even count. It's hard to know exactly where the B movies leave off. And you were asking me on Facebook, so how do you define a B movie? Because anything you know, by Roger just, Corman. <laughs> Well, that's pretty close, but is it just a big budget? Now, I guess now you have like all the trauma films. I guess I would call B movies, but you had things like um, uh, the the Black Hole by which Disney, was Disney, which is a Disney yeah. film, and that's pretty much in style. That's a pretty much a B movie. Yeah, you know, I saw that a, when it came out, about 79-ish, I would say. Yeah, 79, 80, something like that. Yeah, and I, I've only seen it the one time, and your story rings kind of true for me too because my brother Al uh, had his own house by then and he was on his way to you know being married and being in an unsuccessful marriage but he got HBO he was the first person we all had cable my Mm, local town had cable and HBO was one of those choices if you switched on to channel 3 you would see the squiggly lines but if my brother Al went and got the HBO box and he he had HBO so on Saturday nights if he was like yeah we're going to watch this or that he'd say come on over whatever you know I'd go watch the sci-fi films and stuff so in fact the, the, the first Star Trek film I never saw in the movies, as shocking as that sounds, the first Star Trek mm-hmm. motion picture. Uh, I saw it on his cool teeny bought a nice big console TV, you know, a nice Magnavox, yeah. and uh, yeah. we uh, we watched the first Star Wars film. Um, so what else do you got? What else do you got on your B list? Because I got a couple to name here that are that I think are, are priceless for me anyway. Oh, I was uh, I was remembering one that I saw in a theater um, called uh, Ice Pirates. Which is an incredibly cheesy and deliberately cheesy movie. But then I'm thinking also uh, of a number that weren't quite so cheesy. They weren't deliberately cheesy, and they were. Uh, I, I think I actually would call them pretty good movies. There's a John Carpenter film called The Fog, and yeah. if you are a fan of classic horror, it's it's pretty much up there with uh, the classic horror. That's with a scary uh, film. with his wife Adrian Barboob. I mean Barbeau. In, uh... <laughs> yes, John. Yeah, John so, Carpenter's style was really uh, B movie, but John Carpenter sort of booted, if you will, not even even rebooted but booted he was one of the first guys to really start making horror not be movies and to really mm-hmm. make you know right. starting that genre you know really igniting it and making people go crazy for it which kind of leads us to the zombie thing which we talked about last week was was the thing his first film that really crossed over and became a huge like uh 
hit outside the genre or am I? I I would say probably. I mean, and that's a great piece of science fiction as far as I'm concerned. That's a remake, of course, of the original thing. But um, great film. Kurt Russell, uh, the guy who does those diaper commercials or the diabetes commercials. (laughs) I can't think of his name. He was the doctor on there. Uh, Wilford Brimley. Uh, Wilford Wilford Brimley Brimley. was in it. Great stuff. Um, But yeah, Carpenter, I think, definitely sort of redefined. He brought it out of the B into the A grade movie thing, you know? And then as far as B movies, another one that imprinted itself very firmly upon my adolescent, early adolescent brain was uh, Jane Fonda in Barbarella. And I mentioned that when I was talking about the bat story because of the creepy uh, dolls with their snapping teeth. Right, right. Well, uh, one of the films, and I kind of threw an initial topic idea out at you of talking about the first sci-fi, whatever, any kind of thing that scared the daylights out of you as a kid tv oh, that's movie right. and, that's right and yeah. you know we don't have to talk about that we can save that for another day but one of the movies when i was a kid that actually scared me quite a bit was one of these b science fiction films and it was called queen of blood and i threw that out to you earlier i don't know if you googled it or not but queen of blood was queen a 19 blood 1966 science fiction film with two actors one of whom is Notorious for B-movies, John Saxon. He was in uh, so many B-movies, including uh, a lot of Bruce Lee movies, um, which were sort of, uh, you know, they weren't really, the martial arts films were still sort of B-movies back then. Uh, And then another very famous actor named Basil Rathbone was in this. And as a kid, I didn't Mm. know who these people were, but the plot of this was this spaceship goes out and they land on a planet. And I don't know if they purposely captured this creature or the person just kind of snuck into the ship when they were away. And then when they took off, they were sort of stowing away. But the Queen of Blood was this woman who was sort of a space woman vampire. She would suck your blood and kill you. And I just remember vampire. Yeah, she was from another planet and she was kind of a vampire and she would suck your blood and kill you. And I just remember being really scared by that, you know. You know, it it may be a lot of these films were actually released under more than one title. So I I should look it up and see if I might. I think Queen of Blood is is what this one is known by. I think it's its only title. But yeah, Google that later. Well, while you were talking, I just wrote down a few that were super scary. Can I can I rattle them off quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so one was the uh, supernatural horror film Magic. Yes. About the ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. That movie scared the crap out of me. Yeah, I don't think I um, saw that till much later in life when I wouldn't have been scared by it. But Then there's one called, uh, I don't know if I have the title exactly right, but I'm sure you'll recognize it, Vincent Price, um, Terror in the Wax Museum or House of Wax. House I'm of not Wax. Sure which... I saw that in 3D actually years ago in the, in the 80s. You? They did a re-release of that in 3D in our local- That's, uh, a, that's a cool, awful, cool, wonderful, horrible movie. Yeah, yeah. So. Then uh, uh, I think it was made for TV, but it may have had a theatrical release, a film about uh, ants taking over the world called Phase Four, and that Mm. film gave me nightmares. I don't think I know that one. I'll have to look that one up. Phase Um, Four is a fascinating, weird film. Then uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, by which I mean the like late 70s version with, uh, was it Kiefer Sutherland? Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Yeah, Kiefer was a youngster when that film came out. That's the first movie I ever saw where I just spent all night with the lights on just in my bed like just shaking you know well, just and, waking up every few every few minutes looking under the bed just 
sweating and unable to sleep. That and, movie and just, just like The Thing, me. that was a remake as well, because there was an original exactly. invasion of the body The original snatchers. is not nearly as scary, but no, the 70s no. version is scary as hell. The Another movie that I put down here on my list is a B-movie, which is just a campy, just awful. This is a movie that we used to watch every year, not because this was even pre-VCR. You know, it was in the 70s. And we would always go to my aunt's on Thanksgiving to do the Thanksgiving thing, and they would always show it on Thanksgiving Day, kind of as a prelude to the upcoming Christmas season. And it was this horrible science fiction movie called Santa Claus (laughs) Conquers the Martians. Oh, my God. (laughs) Do you know it? Yeah, I do know it. That was done as an episode of of MST3K as well. And you can actually go out there and download it, right? The owners of the film just put it up as an MP4 or something here. I mean, it's horrible quality. I would actually pay for a proper remastering of that on DVD or Blu-ray if somebody could find one of the copies of the film and restore it. I would pay for that. This happens. There is a project going on now. You were talking about Kickstarter. I'm about to blow your mind and like link all our topics together. Oh, cool. But uh, there's a guy now who I think has a Kickstarter going. He happened, he collects films, old films, and he happened uh, across, I think it was a, I don't I don't know that much about how films are made, but it was not a, like a release um, print. It was like an early print, like very high up in the chain of duplicates, like just off the negative or something. And so right. a very, very clean Not print. a lot of generational loss. Exactly. Of... Um, a film called Manos, The Hands of Fate, which is one oh. of the most famous MST3K well, films. Yeah, and our our friend Cade, who did the British voice, references that film to me all the time. So, Cade, if you're listening, Paul just referenced Manos, The Hands of Fate. And, the of course, hands of fate. in Spanish, Manos <laughs> means hands. So that title <laughs> so literally hands, means hands, hands, the hands of fate. It's <laughs> horrible. You know, there is another really awful film that, uh, you know, this conversation made me think of. DeForest Kelly was in it in the 70s, and it was about giant rabbits that attacked. I think I think it was called Night of the Lepas or something. Night of like. the Lepas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that oh. just well, made anyway, me this, think this of guy is horrible. trying to, to restore, he's trying to digitally scan at very high resolution and, and and restore and make basically an HD, you know, um Blu-ray version of, of Manos. I don't know if any <laughs> that may seem like an oxymoron, like a high quality version. <laughs> a high of this quality film, version but, of a low quality film. But it's actually when you look at it, he's got some sample images up and you see that it was shot actually it was shot a lot better than you might expect. You know, the quality of the of the cinematography was a lot better than you might otherwise expect. Well, I think Kate right. would be willing to pay for uh an H D version of Manos Hands of Fate. And then of course, you know, cool. this just popped into my mind too, because me and my friend Matt who are both huge science fiction fans. Um, There was a really horrifyingly bad film called The Creeping Terror. (laughs) The Creeping Terror. Yeah, and it was just a guy walking behind a shag carpet, and that was the evil monster, you know? And you could see his Converse (laughs) sneakers sticking out of the bottom half the time, and just awful, awful, and... You know. Well, the way it absorbed people, like a lot of, I thought it was interesting because a lot of monsters are really phallic, like they impale people or spike <laughs> right. people, you know. Right. This one was like a, a giant walking vagina, so it was <laughs> yonic, you know, so so sort of an unconventional horror, probably, probably you know, why it, it didn't really resonate with people. You know, I, the MST3K, awesome, but I will say this about MST3K. Uh, for one of their movies, or their only movie, I don't re- quite remember, they kind of lampooned This Island Earth, which is one of the classic science fiction movies. I mean, it was the Star Wars of its day. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And I don't really think it deserved lampooning. In the 50s, there were the two huge films, maybe three. There was um, Forbidden Planet. 
uh-huh. this island Earth, and then the one with Gort. Um, Klaatu, oh, Barada, um, Nikto, uh, Michael Rennie was the alien. Yeah, um, yeah. The oh. Day the Earth Stood Still. Those day the Earth Stood the, Still. The three biggies. That was, I, I agree that the Day the Earth Stood Still was actually a really good film. Well, the, so was uh, This Island this Earth. This Island Earth was the one they did for their theatrical MST3K right, movie. Right, that's what I mean. And I, saw in the I don't think yeah. This Island Earth deserved that kind of treatment because normally they lampooned really awful films. But This Island Earth was the Star Wars of its day along with those <sighs> other those other two films so i am defending this island earth well, as one of the okay. one of the great films and i mean it's fine it was fun Maybe. They i'm just fun not sure the screenplay stands up all oh, that well to the test me. of time don't but be i do i do island love earth. um the day the earth stood still i think is still a really compelling uh, really compelling film it's i wouldn't call it a b movie actually but forbidden uh, planet which of course gave us uh robbie the robot and had leslie nielsen in it i don't know if you remember but they had a metal a metal in that film a kind of like steel called krell metal and it was impervious and impenetrable by most things and years ago like when i obtainium yeah years ago when i put up or or dalekanium which i just learned is the metal that mm-hmm. the outsides of the daleks are made out of um but yeah so it, back when i put up my blog i had it was a static blog you know it wasn't i just hand coded the HTML, so it wasn't like my blog now with a publishing engine in the background and all that. But I had a lot of science, real science and science fiction references on it. And some guy from Italy used to like say, oh man, I love all these sci-fi references on your blog. And he used to give out this sort of low-budget award called the Krell Medal Award. <laughs> and it oh, was like cool. a picture of Robbie the Robot. And it was one of those tags you could put on the bottom of your site that said, you know, this site received the Krell Medal Award. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just thought it was cool because it was a cool sci-fi reference. But uh, you want to jump into a second track? Let's jump into a second track. It's been really fun talking about all these cheesy movies. Now I want to go watch a bunch of them, but we should probably let our viewers move on. Yeah, and if our viewers have any uh, favorite films, we'd love to hear what your favorite films are because, you know, there's thousands of them. Please tell us. And uh, I'm sure we've overlooked many hundreds. But uh, So you want to jump into a track? Let's jump into a track. Cool. Check it out.
Yeah, that was one of my favorite artists, a guy named Simon Fox. We've played him in the past. He's been so kind as to let us play anything from his uh, catalog that we want. It is. And, That's a uh, nice instrumental track. Everything I've heard by him so far, I've really enjoyed. Well, he's so, one of my favorite cool. composers. He's a fingerstyle dad gad player. You know, he plays in the DAD, GAD tuning, which is great for Celtic mm-hmm. music, which is primarily like his style. And whenever I hear that song, I always in my mind, the three words that come to mind are lively Celtic dance. I mean, I could just see people in appropriate clothing, you know, doing a lively Celtic dance. And I, I don't want to <laughs> bust out, you know, Michael Flatley's river dance but you know almost that kind right, of thing right. you know cuz michael flatley should be burned on the cross but or at least burned at a, on a, a, a burned at the stake but uh, a celtic cross yeah that's right <laughs> but yeah lively celtic dance is what that song makes me think of and it makes me really happy when i hear it so uh it is. It's very pretty. Yeah, so. good stuff. I did have one more thing I wanted to talk about regarding the films, because this is sort of why this topic came up for me, is I'm trying to find a film that I watched around 1980 on my stepbrother's VCR, and oh. he's long gone, and the VCR is long gone. And the film is about from 1980, and it may have been a Japanese film that was dubbed like some of them were. But all I remember about it that I'm trying to track down is this film had a scene, I think, towards the end. And when you get to it, like it's a pretty unmemorable film. And then you get, like a lot of films, you get to this big scene and you're like, oh, now I understand the point of this movie. Like what the idea was, why they made the movie. Mm-hmm. And that is that it's a inside some kind of a crash derelict spaceship or a warehouse. Uh, some humans are trying to escape. And their escape is covered for them by a robot who basically sacrifices himself to engage in this super violent, super fast, uh, high speed, like, I don't know if the film was overcranked or what, a fight with another robot. And these robots are like, they're humanoid size, they're fairly expressive and they have this incredibly violent fight scene where they're plowing into each other and like tearing through walls and like, you know, knocking down the ceiling of this building. And it's shot with a lot of smoke and fog and whatnot. And I cannot remember. And I've had a couple, I have a post on, on Reddit um, asking people to help me figure this out. And they've suggested movies like Silent Running. The black hole. It's not silent running. I've no, seen, I, I, I know, but I was wondering if people suggested that because no. when you said the no. robot sacrificing himself, I remember they had to leave one of the injured robots behind. Huey, Louie, oh, and Dewey. Yeah. That was the great Bruce that's Stern a, film. It's a fascinating film. It's really uh, it's a great film, but no, um, but I, and I can't remember what it is. It's people, someone suggested Ice Pirates, and I'm pretty sure it's not. And um, you know, a couple others people suggested, and when I've looked at them like clips from them in one of them the fight was like between giant mechas like humans in giant robot suits and that's not it hmm. well uh, you know so my I friend matt will know, know. What it is. really yeah so i, I would will, love uh, to find it because i'd love to track down even if i can find a uh just find the title and maybe i'll find a, a, a cd copy or dvd copy just so i can see that scene again because i remember being impressed by it i'll, I'll I probably doesn't look as impressive now in uh, right. 2012 <laughs> well so. yeah my friend matt is like uh, an encyclopedia of science fiction and bad b horror movies and you know we're both big buffs and he's uh 
he knows more than me, you know, and I know quite a bit about this crap, you know. <laughs> so my, my friend Matt's pretty impressive. But uh, anyway, I guess that's a show, huh? I guess so. I realize it's not a lot to go on, but yeah, if the viewers have a have a film to suggest, I'd happily look at clips and see if I recognize it. But, uh, awesome. Well, this is Rich Wilgus. I'm Paul Potts. You've been listening to Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Send us feedback to feedback at bloodyveg.com. And leave us some voicemail. Give us a call. Tell us about some monster movies that might have scared you. 206-376-0397. And remember, pencils.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.